This is your host, Vernon Terrell with Grace Ministries International, and it's time for Walking Free. And welcome back. This is Vernon Terrell, and today we have a treat. Uh, I have uh, a guest that's going to share his story, and that guest is Kyle Jenkins. Kyle, welcome. Hey, Vernon. Uh Uh-huh. How are you doing? Oh, doing all right. Going through it, going through it, but things Mm. are well. Things are well. And Kyle, tell us, where are you located? I'm in Dallas, Texas. In Dallas, Texas. Now, uh, in Dallas, you've been there how long now? Let's see. I'm. They say I was born in 1985, so 37 years. Wow, 37 years in Dallas, Texas. So, uh, Kyle, I know you're going to share your story, and I'm going to uh, preface it too. Uh, I think I met Kyle. Uh, I guess it was a couple years. It was a couple years back. Uh, I don't even know how many years ago it was. Do you? It was about five, about five years. I want to yeah, say about, about four or five. Yeah, about somewhere. five years ago or so. And and uh, I met Kyle. I was running my own ministry, uh, separate from Grace Ministries, when I was in the corporate world, and um, and that was free and him, and. Uh, Kyle and I met, and I was doing webinars with Mike Quarles, uh, who wrote a lot of books. Mike wrote, mm. I think the more, most famous one was uh, Freedom from Addiction with Neil Anderson, and he wrote the One Day at a Time devotional. I love Mike. I just saw him the other day, and uh, he's doing great. But uh, that's uh, where I met um, Kyle uh, when he uh, we just met up during that period. And uh, so... Uh, I thought it'd be a great idea. And Kyle, we recently brought Kyle on uh, board at Grace Ministries uh, to help support us in one of our initiatives that, in fact, I talked about it on a, just a podcast uh, or so ago on Work Untangled. And uh, Kyle is going to be helping us as we uh, build that out and helping uh, monitor and watch our uh, virtual chaplain. Um uh, site. And that's our support for those who are hurting, especially in the context of the work untangled. And, um, so that's a little bit of, uh, context. So Kyle, why don't you just give us just, uh, uh, tell us a little bit about your story and, uh, kind of start, we'll just start from the beginning. All right. Oh, sounds great. I, uh, yeah, so born and raised here in Dallas, uh, to my parents, Byron and Peggy and growing up was, uh, my parents came from the hippie area or the hippie era. And so there was in the house, a lot of uh, drugs, alcohol, rock and roll and, uh, dirty movies. It was kind of exposed to that, but was still taken to Sunday school. You know, my parents, you know, took took uh, me and my older brother to church. And so um, a lot of dysfunction in the family, but a lot of outwardly, you know, 
for saving face, go to church and, you know, we're going to, you know, uh, try to make it look like we're living upright lives and, you know, we're serious about the Lord and, you know, we're God fearing Americans. That was kind of the mentality, uh, that my dad, um, you know, presented to us and his dad was a Baptist missionary, had attended Dallas Theological Seminary. And so, you know, kind of a lot of the um, good side of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So there was a lot of outwardness of, you know, we love God and we want to do what we're supposed to do. But there was, for me growing up, no real connection with God. Um through the time growing up, going to Sunday school, nobody ever really um, invited me to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. I, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't really recall that. Um, though, you know, I was hearing, you know, I guess uh, some version of the gospel, uh, you know, bits and pieces of the truth that you know, look, Jesus laid down His life. He loves you. He's got a plan for you. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't really see that modeled for me in the home. And so as I got into middle school, I got into drugs myself, drugs and alcohol. In middle and, school? Yeah. So it was probably about sixth, seventh grade. I started wow. uh, being around drugs. Yeah. Uh, my older brother, he's about a year and nine months older. So he was about two grades ahead of me. Um, his, you know, his buddies and his friends were all, they'd be drinking and getting into pot use and you know, other things. And so, you know, I'd be around them. So I started using, yeah, I would say about, uh, yeah, probably about seventh grade or so. Um, do you, do you think that still uh, is middle school? Did you see others in middle school that uh, outside of say your brother's, uh, crew, were there others that struggled with drugs and alcohol in middle school? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, even younger. Uh, I had one kid telling me he was. Uh, I remember one 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 guy I was you know using with and drinking with at the time. We were both in seventh grade. He'd said he'd started using it like, uh, I think it may have been under twelve. It just that was the environment, and it, you know his parents introduced him to that stuff, and so, um, yeah, um, yeah. So so then from. Let's see, I got to about age 15 and, you know, was dabbling in the drugs and alcohol um, and then blew up a car. I say blow up and we really just set it on fire. But yeah, it sounds funner to say. Uh, blew we it just up. set a car on fire. That's all. <laughs> That's all. We're OK, everybody. Just that. Wow. No one, no one was in the car at the time, so no one was hurt in the incident. Uh, me and a. It just uh, a guy I used to hang out with. Um, we'd left the football game. You know, we were getting high. And then come and came upon this 1969 convertible slug bug. Had one of those plastic back tops. Uh, long story short, short, we burn this thing, take off running. We get to school Monday. And, of course, uh, you know, me, I'm like, well, I got to tell people about this, right? So, you know, I'm sharing it with you. Like, yeah, I guess what we did on Friday. And, and then within a week. Uh, there were posted signs of reward for anybody leading to information for an arrest. And so sure enough, within a few weeks, uh, somebody had turned us in. And so I had to go to juvenile hall and it was in the month of, it was around December of 2021. 
So they took us in down to Henry Wade Juvenile Hall Detention Center. And there, um, I think it was it was a Saturday night. So we were there Friday and then Saturday night is December 2nd. It's probably about 8 o'clock or so. Um, you know, they're asking, does anybody want to go to church tonight? And I'm like, all right, well, I'll check that out. And, you know, and I'd been my whole life. Um, but I really, at that time, came under the conviction of the of the Holy Spirit that I needed Jesus. And I can't tell you all the theological points that they hit on, whether it was Calvinism or whatever. I couldn't tell you that. I just knew that um, I needed saving. And uh, the guy who, you know, led me through a prayer, I, I call him Farmer Joe because I don't remember his name. He just this old guy with overalls and a white t-shirt on. And he, he, you know, they were just ministering the gospel of, uh, Jesus saves and he's come to, you know, he came and forgave us of our sin. And so, um, you know, so I accepted Christ that night and I remember I got, I got back to my cell and I was sitting there and I was like, Oh man, this is, this is amazing. I knew something had happened. I was like, man, when I get out, I'm going to, I'm going to start listening to Creed, you know, all this worship music. Yeah. You know, just super pumped about it. Got out of there, got back home and, um, knew I was already curious about the Lord. Like I, you know, how do I, what, what, what do I do? And so I'd gone to my dad who didn't really understand and, you know, he's using, using and drinking, but you know, I'd gone to him and it's like, well, you know, how, how can I know if I'm hearing from the Lord? And he's like, well, just listen to that small, still voice inside. And so I'm sitting there in the garage, you know, listening to the ringing in my ear. And I'm like, well, that, well, that can't be God, you know? So I got, I got up from there and, but started going to youth camps, places like Pine Cove, getting involved in youth ministry stuff, uh, not on, you know, youth teams, but just attending. And but so then from 15 to 18 was in and out of juvenile hall. Nobody told me who I was in Christ. Nobody told me what, what I had, uh, you know, from all these well-intentioned, you know, born again believers. Uh, I found myself around a in a youth group where most of the leaders were you know, graduating or going through Dallas Theological Seminary. And, but, but I wasn't hearing the real gospel, the real gospel that, that grace teaches us to no, say no to sin. I was hearing the, the mixture of law and grace, um, you know, being told what's like, you still kind of have a, an old nature. You're, you're still kind of sinful. Just look at your behavior. That'll identify you know, kind of where you're at in your walk with God. And, and so in and out of juvenile hall, rehabs, uh, a boot camp, um, you know, just all over the place, uh, got into some more hardcore drugs, uh, other than marijuana, uh, you know, all the different other kind of stuff that there, there is out there. And, um, but finally graduated high school. So I was able to graduate. And um, over the summer when I was 18, you know, really got, you know, was really into the drug use scene and um, uh, was punching holes in my parents' house. I was on some psychedelics and uh, different drugs like that. And so it was destroying my parents' house and was stealing from them at the time, taking the cars out at night. Um, and my dad came to me and he's like, well, I'll give you two options. You can go to 
Green Oaks Hospital, or we can take you to jail for stealing from us. It's like, well, I'll go to the hospital. I've been there before. Um, and so I went there and something happened there where I just finally was like, man, I don't, I don't, I, I know that I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I don't want to live this way anymore. I, I'm, I'm really miserable. And so I'd started praying when I was there. I was like, well, Jesus, would you help me? And at the time, um, but something happened. I just, uh, when I got out of there, it was just like, man, all I want to talk about is Jesus. It was just Jesus, Jesus for me. That, that's all I, you know, because I wanted out of the, you know, the hell that I was living in now. And, you know, and through the times of incarceration, I, I would read my Bible. You know, I had, you know, you, you know I had devotional books. People would, uh, my dad would even send me from, from home. Um, and so I was kind of being around it, but still not really hearing the real gospel. Um, but I knew Jesus was the answer. I, I just didn't know how. So then I spent from 18 to 25 years old in in and out of Alcoholics Anonymous. And so I was in the anonymous groups, going there. About three months of being there, though, it it was the Lord. The Lord started showing me, it's like, this is not what I have for you. The answer is not here. You know, what these folks are doing, this this is good stuff. You know, they're they're addressing the problem and 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 and, and Vernon, you and Mike do a, a awesome job on y'all's on the uh, other webinars of the freedom from addiction and and uh, you know Mike bringing up that you and Mike saying how they actually at least bring in the problem out better than maybe the church has for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was in AA, but still just wasn't hearing the truth that sets us free. And so in and out of AA, getting in trouble with the law, um, you know, having some inappropriate relationships with the girlfriends and, and just going through all that, started going to college. And it was really awesome. The first day of college that I went, I decided to take my Bible and I open it to Romans 12 too. Now I had no idea what it's talking about there. <laughs> no clue. Uh, but as you know, it's, you know, be transformed. Don't be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And, and then I took a class, they even that same day, of a, a student development. And the teacher gets up and he quotes, uh, I think it's Habakkuk. It's, a, you know, uh, lack of knowledge, my people are destroyed. And the knowledge word there isn't talking about the you know, just Bible information or education, but, you know, the, the real, uh, you know, experiential knowledge revelation of God. And I didn't know, I didn't know that at that time. And, and so, but I'm reading these verses. That's like, well, all right. Um, anyways, jump forward to 25. Um, I'm back on psychedelic drugs, you know, things are just really crazy and wild. And I started having some demonic experiences, um, and through that time from 18 to 20, uh, no, now, yeah, it was about 24, 25. So I was at the house, took, took some psychedelics and just really started experiencing some pretty scary stuff. Didn't know what was going on. Kind of was linking it just to the drugs, but some, something was going on. So the next morning I checked myself into a hospital again, Richardson regional, um, psychiatric ward. I stay there a few days. And I get out, and a friend of mine, Lance, 
um, who I'd met in AA, and we just clicked right off the bat. We're like, man, we love Jesus. We know the Bible is the truth, but we don't have anywhere else to go. And so that's why we were we met in AA, and that's why we were there. And so I get out from the uh, from the you know medical ward there, and he calls me, and he's like, he's like, dude, I got to you have to read this book. And I'm like, all right, well, what book? You know. <laughs> He comes over and brings me a copy of Neil T. Anderson's The Bondage Breaker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he puts that book in my hand. I start reading through it. And I, kind of, I, I cheated at first. I was just like, well, I don't need to read all of this. I'll just go through the steps to freedom. And that should be it, right? <laughs> well, it didn't work like that for me. <laughs> so, but I, but I start reading this. And um, it was still so fresh to just under, understanding just kind of well, what is the truth and then what's error? So I started reading this. Um, and then he, he and I actually got pulled and lured into this ministry with a lady claiming to be a prophet. You know, she's saying some cool stuff. So we went and joined her for three or four months, eventually got out of that, came back and, and I got back into bondage breaker and started reading through it. And God at that time, uh, it really just started opening my eyes to who we are in Christ. And that wow. was kind of the start for me for really starting to understand freedom and, uh, you know, that our worth, our value, our satisfaction, significance, it, it's all in Christ. And, uh, you know, I'm either going to, I'm going to find it in him or I'm going to look to everything else to try to meet those needs. Um, do you think if someone handed you that book at 18 years old, first, would you have even read it? Or do you feel that um, for you, uh, at least, and maybe for many others, uh, sometimes it takes going through some of that mess? Mm. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, God's working all things for our good. So I, I knew I had to go still through some heavy times. Uh, but what I do, uh, this is how God leads me to minister people today. I do wish somebody would have told me, uh, as, as you share, as Mike share, as Neil shares, as the rest of the grace teachers share, it's like, look, you don't really want to sin. Your old person that he's dead, gone and buried. You're now new raised and seated. You have a new heart. You have a new spirit. You don't actually want to sin, and that's why you're miserable when you sin because you're not acting according to to who God really has made you. Uh, that's that's what a I good would. message. I, I think that's mm. an important, and, and that's why we we want to prevent. You know, we want folks to understand who they are and and maybe to mitigate uh, some of the hard times. But as AA, and we love uh, the folks at AA, we, I don't think they have the mm. totality of the answer, but they're a wonderful group of people. They are addressing the problem as, as they understand it and, you know, kudos to them. But this sometimes as they would say, uh, it takes what it takes. Mm. And sometimes, and it's not like God's out there. I'm going to break them. No, you know, God really loves you, but he also is wise enough to realize sometimes we're hard-headed and it, for us and for individuals on this planet, it just takes what it takes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I, I still, I wouldn't change anything that I've had to go through. Um, as painful and a lot of the traumatic events uh, from my childhood and then up until, you know, up until today, I, I still wouldn't change it. Is seeing that, uh, learning that it, as God's just revealed it of, well, he's using every single thing, every, I like how Mike Wells used to put it, every situation's fixed, every hair on the head, uh, every hair on my head is numbered, everything's going according to plan. Uh, you know, nothing's out of control. There's no panic button in heaven. You know, there's no alarms going off. Oh no, what are we going to do for the kids today? It's well, the, none of that's. <laughs> hey, Kyle made a decision we did not encounter and we didn't foresee. <laughs> Let's call a divine meeting and figure this one out. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> oh, and ju- just the peace and freedom and the rest that comes from knowing that. And not not the information, not the education about it, but but the the divine revelation. It's like, wow, God really loves me. He's not mad at me. He's not got a checklist or a, you know a list of all my sins. I remember your sins no more. Uh, book of Hebrews. Uh, so says. you're in. You've read this book. You've read Bondage Breaker. Mm-hmm. Now you've read it. Now everything is perfect. Absolutely not. <laughs> oh. So I, yeah, right. So I go through Bondage Breaker. Uh, I love Neil and what, what he's done with the Bondage Breaker. I mean, that was the starting point for me. But I still wasn't seeing the rest. I wasn't seeing the rest of the gospel, uh, meaning that it's like, well, uh, you know, the Christian life isn't difficult. It is impossible. And there's only one guy that ever lived it. And that's our Jesus. Now he lives inside us. Now he wants to live that overcoming life in me, through me, and for me. Not me trying to live for God, even though we can go to the New Testament epistles. And sometimes it looks like it's saying, well, you know, we're living for God. Well, what I see in the full context of God's word is it's like this is Christ in me, the hope of glory. This is Christ, my life. I'm in a, I'm in a place of dependency and trust letting him do it through me moment by moment. I, I keep it real simple. Jesus, like a shepherd, lead me. Uh, you know, Father, in Jesus, well, I can't, I can't do this. You, you do it for me, and I'll just watch you do it in, in me, through me, and for me, and I'll experience that fruit of the Spirit that I've always wanted. So after reading Bondage Breaker, total explosion excitement. I'm like, you, you mean this is who I am in Christ? You mean this is who I really am? I'm not this drug addict, alcoholic uh, guy who chases women, who blows up cars, who breaks into houses, breaks into cars. Um, I'm not all this stuff. Second Corinthians 5, uh, uh, 16, we look at no man according to their sin patterns, according to their flesh. And so that was just... It was just an explosion of excitement. You couldn't, people couldn't shut me up everywhere I went. I'm just like, do you know who you are in Christ? And I'm, I'm pulling out the bookmarks from Feed Him in Christ. I, I got my list with me all the time. I'm just, I'm just ecstatic everywhere I'm going. I'm just like, I'm just wow. I'm just amazed. And that's when God really just started revealing that to me uh, and going through the steps to freedom, dealing with the bulk uh the, the main step of forgiveness and just going through that and forgiving people 
of my past and then dealing with lies uh, that I'd believed about God for so long and still working through lies even today. Uh, you know, wrong concepts that we, that I have of him. Um, but that was it just, oh, it, it just, it got so awesome. I got back into school, started acing all of my courses, uh, you know, got, got a job here and there and knowing that it's like, wow, I'm, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm not working for approval. I'm working hard because I am approved. And yet still at that time, still wasn't seeing, still haven't, hadn't fully come into this. Okay, Christ, you are my life. You're my source for the Christian life. You are the Christian life. Express your life through me. You know, you do this for me, in me, and through me. So I'm going to some churches <clears throat> from that time. I met a lot of different Christians and organizations and experienced probably some of the biggest rejections that I'd ever received in life. Well, maybe I, I can't say that because I'm only 37, but it, but, but met some church folk, you know, born again believers and just received a whole lot of um, uh, judgment and criticism because, yeah, you know, who am I? It's like, oh, I'm this guy that's gotten off drugs and alcohol, but I, I'm just excited because, I, you know, God's showing me who I am in Jesus. Right. You know, and some people, it just rubs the wrong, you know, uh, that they weren't there yet and hadn't seen it or, you know. Um, and so was going through some different programs. I uh, got to a point I'd started struggling again with the drugs and alcohol after some, you know, rejection from different churches. And all the while though, even when I'd gone back to the drinking and drugs, well, the seeds had been planted. Um, you know, the truth had been revealed. It's like, wow, this is who I really am. I started, so I was getting on the intellectual basis, but I, but I really needed to know God as as my source, uh, Jesus as my peace, my, my joy. Yeah, that's an important point. I think uh, two things that mm -hmm. you've said, uh, uh, just said on, first of all, rejection is so powerful in a negative way. Mm -hmm. um, it is so powerful, but in the same uh, way, acceptance can be so powerful. And as believers, uh, we need to really be careful that we're not putting off the rejection vibes. Uh, we mm. need, as Jesus demonstrated while he was on this planet, uh, accepting. And accepting people doesn't mean we always accept everything they believe or think, but we can accept them. And we should, and especially, uh, you know, Jesus said that they, the outside, will know you on the inside by your love, not toward the outsiders, but your love one to another. Hmm. And, and that's where we really trip up and we need to be careful uh, as believers in the church and ministry that we're uh, not rejecting each other, but we're accepting and loving each other. Uh, and uh, so I think that is so important. And that's the first thing. And the second thing you mentioned was that we often know things intellectually, uh, but it needs to get down to a heart level and to really know, to really know and to believe, as 1 John 4.16 says, that you would know and believe the love that God has for you. Not just to know it and to know about it, but to really believe it, embrace it, and to receive oh. it as true for you. Um, that's vital 
And I think it, it sounds like at this point in your journey, you were at a intellectual level, but had you really brought it home? Right. Uh, yeah. So it, it really just, uh, I was thinking about it before we got on. It's like, man, how many times had I prayed through Ephesians chapter one and tra- chapter three, God, would you just reveal to me who I am in Christ? And it just, it just took a while. And that, that it's not, there's no cookie cutter. Uh, you know, there's no formula for it. There's no set time on when God is going to reveal to you the truth. For me, it took about 12 years after coming under the, you know, seeing the, reading all the books, uh, Mike Corral's books, Neil's books, and then uh, getting involved with the Network 220, Operation 220 counseling, um, you know, but so it was probably within about six years. So I got the book, you know, about 24, 25. So then at about 30, uh, around maybe 30, 31, maybe a little bit sooner, I started hearing more of the rest of God. And so that's when I started hearing from people like Major Ian Thomas, um, uh, folks like that. And, uh, you know, hearing this, it's like, well, I, I, you know, I need to give up. I, I need to let go. Uh, a lot of uh, Mike's, Mike's books, you know, the, the stop sign page, you know, stop whatever it is you're trying to do to live the Christian life and trust Christ who is your life. And that's mm. where I was. So, and I remember I wrote it down and I signed it. It was a giving up my rights in kind of page of just a handout. It's like, okay. Oh, it, cause it was through that grace life handbook that, <laughs> that GMI puts out the original purple one. Um, I'd picked that up at a rehab that I was at out in Michigan or no, in New Jersey, Keswick, Keswick stand. I can never see Keswick. Name. Yeah. They're a big, we, we love that group. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I got the, yeah, I got the handbook there and it's got a page on there. I think it was, uh, one of the guys that put it in there of just, you know, giving up on the self for life. And that self life is just that, that, uh, not just the bad side of the tree, but the good side. So <laughs> as I was reading Neil's book and going through all that material, you know, I had all the identity lists printed out. I was reading through the prayers every morning, every night. Um, thinking that that would do it for me. And it didn't. I mean, there'd be days where I'd read through the list and I'd still end up drunk and high by the evening. Um, and so I was still, you you know, there were still a lot of self um, techniques and whatnot that I was depending on. And yet, you know, God's word says, well, the, you know, uh, uh, you know, flesh, has, um, you know, the law has no power against the desires of the flesh. And so these, you know, in a sense, law tactics that I was doing, you know, just avoid wrong and do good. Well, I'm reading these lists every morning of who I am. And yeah, so still not seeing it, but knew that it, you know, got into started hearing from Bill and Annabelle Gilham with a lifetime guaranteed. So started just devouring their videos uh, on YouTube and just really hearing that of, you know, Christ came in. I like how Bill used to put it. Um, you know, Christ came into me so that he could live his life through me. And so started waking up to, you know, God started revealing that to me through just the different authors. Um, and yeah, so then for the next 
you know, bunch of years up until really just four months ago, was it? Uh, something like that. Yeah. About four, four and a half, well, however long it was. Yeah. It was still in and out of, uh, having problems with my parents was still having to live there at the house, uh, was running around to different ministries, trying to get help, uh, you know, just get me away from the environment, which is a big deal. Environment is, yeah. um, it can just, you know, there can be some severely sabotaging environments that, um, can just hinder, uh, greatly. Um, but God can work even in the horribest horror, you know, the worst looking circumstances. So basically, um, got to a place about four or however, you know, four or so months ago, um, Bill Loveless is with Christ is life ministries or, you know, association we with love Christ. Bill Loveless. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah. 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 Bill, Bill's an awesome guy. He, had his own struggle with his dad was an alcoholic and he, he shares his story online. You can find him. Um, he get, I'd gotten some of his books and I'd been attending the 220 conferences and the, uh, the different workshops that Network 220 in Plano, Texas uh, provide. And so, and had a counselor with them for about five, six years, my friend Charles. Um, and so anyways, uh, I was looking through one of his books one day, you know, I'm getting high, uh, just sitting there at the house and reading through his book and, you know, it comes across the, uh, you know, the verse, uh, you know, be still and know that I'm God. And then Bill says, but if you, but if you won't be still, how can you know God? And he's like, it's not that we, we can't be still. We just choose not to. And I was just like, okay. I need to just be still. I don't need to pull out my Bible. I already knew a bunch of the Bible. Um, you know, I needed a, I don't want anyone to call it a quiet time because it was just going to be me just sitting there and just saying, Lord, would you just speak to me? Would you just have something for me? Would you just speak to me? I don't, you know, I, I could memorize the whole New Testament if I needed to, but that's not going to do me any good. Um, and so I just sat there. I had the drugs there and I was like, well, Lord, you, you I'm, pro I'm probably going to get high today. There, you know, I'm probably going to get high today, but I want to just set aside this time right now. Would you just speak to me? Whether it's just five, 10 minutes, I'm just going to sit there still. Sat there still the first day, heard nothing. <laughs> so I just wasn't hearing anything. Second day, wasn't hearing anything. It just, everything was still just so foggy and crazy. And then by the third day, you know, those those thoughts of just affirmation were coming and that love and acceptance. And now <clears throat> looking back, I mean, I had times when I was off the drugs before and I'd be watching a message and I just break down weeping of just God loves and accepts me, but it was still just kind of, you know, it was God getting to the spirit and heart stuff on it, but I just, I wasn't done and I hadn't really given up. And so I sat there, and I knew it was God and I just needed to let go. And so I got up, I threw the drugs out, uh, not in a ritual way. I picked up a list of who we are in Christ, but it was, it was going to, you know, this was a different deal now. And I read through who I was and who we are in Christ. And I knew I could walk out of there with Christ as my hope. So I threw the drugs out, 
we got rid of the stuff. The next morning, my dad pulls a gun out on me because he's on drugs. So I'm like, I'm tired of this. Threw everything in my car, drove to my counselor's house, and I'm sleeping outside of his house that night. <clears throat> I think it's like a Thursday. Yeah, it was a Thursday night. Can't sleep because, you know, I'm trying to sleep in a car. It's not working. But I'm just sitting there and I'm bawling my eyes out. And I'm like, okay, uh, this is my moment. And I'm just like, okay, Jesus, you're, you're going to have to do this for me from now on. Uh, like you're, you're just going to have to do this for me because I can't. Uh, you know, suicide had been knocking on the door. Uh, you know, all the hopelessness thoughts from the enemy wanting to just take me out. And I just, I, ha I had, you know, <laughs> Jesus, you know, God had that set up from long ago that I'd be sitting there in the car just crying out to the Lord of, okay, Jesus, you, you do this for me now. And if you don't do it for me, then I'm, then I'm done for, I'm going to die here in my car. Or I'm going to die in a Creek somewhere, or, you know, and then nothing's going to be worth of my life, uh, you know, to see from here. And so, and then from there, God just started opening up the doors of a place for me to stay here, a place for me to stay there and eventually had to go back to my parents' house. But before that, I, I'd actually call you. You remember the call, Vernon? I'd called you. I was there in the, I was there in the parking lot, and I'm 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 like, well, I'm like, oh, I'm scared because I don't know what's going to happen. And I've been walking by faith. Uh, another ministry had put me into a hotel for an entire month. Such an awesome, peaceful time. Uh, started working for the home health company that I work for. They accepted me back on almost immediately. I spent one night in the homeless shelter. Woke up the next morning and just kept it real simple. Jesus, like a shepherd, lead me. And the thought came, uh, you know, go apply to your old job. Go apply to the home health again. So I did that and doors just kept, God just kept opening the doors, just kept opening them. So I called, uh, I called you, Vernon, from the, uh, man, I was off Northwest Highway in the, uh, <clears throat> in that parking lot. And it's just like, I'm scared. It's like, well, we're just going to pray. And we pray and just God opened the door. Within the next couple of days, I had a uh, I was staying at this uh, person's house and out in Rowlett had a place to stay. And Vernon called, I called Vernon the first day, and we're chatting about it. And he's oh, just so much joy and thankfulness. And then, and then Vernon, you're like, oh well, how would you like a full time ministry position? <laughs> I'm like, I, I didn't even let you finish what you were saying. I'm just like, yes. <laughs> oh, I um, love that. That was uh, yeah, that was a fun call, and it's <laughs> you know you you have been through so much, and and that's the really that's the type of folks uh, is those who are experiencing Christ. Not that I don't want folks who are think they have it all together and are perfect. Mm -hmm. I want folks who are experiencing Christ in the real life, uh, in the messes, in the good times, uh, experiencing Christ. And, um, and you're a, a man that walks by faith, that trusts the Lord. And uh, even today, would you say, I mean, today, there's still, there's still struggles and uh, attacks that come uh, for mm. you. Is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you, you know, there's still issues there. But now, you know, being, experiencing my, experiencing Christ as, as the source, as life. Original word is Zoe in the original language. Uh, you know, you know that supernatural life of Christ. Um, 
from the drugs, the alcohol, um, you know, all the, uh, yeah. And so experiencing that, but still having, you know, there, there's still a couple issues there, but now, um, able to see, uh, just the dependency and it really being just a simple, simple life. And for me, I, it's, it can be different for everybody. The way I do it, it's just, well, Jesus, I, I'm, I'm weak. You know, I'm weak today. Jesus said to Paul, uh, my power shows up in weakness. So just admit how weak you are. And that's, and that's what I do. I I like how Mike Wells used to put it. (laughs) He'd say, I I don't work with anybody that doesn't fail or that hasn't failed. I won't work with anybody that hadn't failed because, um, you know, and I, and I used to be one of those people. If I failed, it's like, Oh, God must have left me now. And the fact that I would still believe that lie that it's like, Oh, when you fail, well, then God kind of leaves you or he's kind of done with you. Well, that's just being a, a, an unbelieving believer. Um, Oh yeah. Whatever the struggle is thinking that it's like, well, I, you know, I have this awful sin in my life. God must be so disgusted, uh, you know, any, uh, you know, all those lies from the enemy, um, that will just keep you bound. All that shame, there is no shame. There is no condemnation. There's no judgment. There's no list. Uh, you know, God only believes the truths about us and the truths of us are who we are in Christ. The only unshakable foundation. I think those are good closing words uh, that mm-hmm. we can uh, hang on to. And if you're struggling, uh, like uh, uh, Kyle was, and had, a, and you've got, you think, oh, there's no hope. Kyle's been there. Do you think we've we, we've all been there in some way, shape, or form? Uh, but like Kyle, uh, you can know the truth, and the truth can set you free. And I encourage you. I don't know what it, your step will be as we close this uh, podcast, uh, what your step of faith might be. Uh, it might be to go to a treatment center. It might be to go talk to a pastor or a counselor. We have plenty of them at Grace Ministries. Uh, you can call us or call another Network 220 office. Uh, I don't know what your step is, but I encourage you to pray about it, uh, to sit and listen to the Lord. And at some point, I don't want you to talk about it. I want you to take a step and I want you to start walking. You've been listening to Walking Free, a production of Grace Ministries International in Marietta, Georgia. For more information, go to our website at gmint.org. That's G-M-I-N-T dot O-R-G.